This is the Unstacked Startups Podcast, where we have real conversations with tech founders, leaders, VCs, and early employees of top technology companies. This is Elon Sachs. Sunil, great to have you on. How's, how's everything with you? Great to see you, Elon, and I'm glad we are reconnecting after a while. Thank you again for having me. I, I feel honored to have you, Sunil, and uh, I, I guess just to give a little bit of context and background to our listeners, Sunil, you're the founder and CEO of Tallied, a fintech infrastructure company building an end-to-end operating system for modern credit cards. You're an advisor to tech founders and executive teams, and you're a former executive at Marketa, LendUp, and Blackhawk Network. More importantly, you're a genuine good guy, and, and like I said, honored to have you on the show. So, so let's get started. And Sunil, I guess my, my first question for you is, who is Sunil Singh? Yeah. Um, thank you for uh, the kind introduction, uh, and really appreciate it, um, and reaching out to have me on this podcast. Um, who is Sunil Singh? I think it's a multidimensional, multi-layered question, and um, I mean, maybe a little bit of my background and journey is connecting back to the origin uh, of, of this human being that is here on this podcast. So I grew up uh, in the eastern part of India uh, in a small uh, village come town where the town ends and it becomes a village and, and, and it's kind of uh, remote back in the days uh, and grew up in a large they used to call it joint family, where you kind of live under one roof, uncle, sons. Uh, it's like a multi-generational with your grandparents, with your uh, parents and, and kids and everybody. So I grew up in a joint family with what I call is, um, I don't like the word underprivileged because it means that there are some people who are privileged in, in some ways, but under-resourced, I think is the right way, uh, which means that uh, scarcity for the basic things that we take for granted here in this country in the U.S., uh, running water and toilet and uh, all the other things, amenities that you can think of, electricity and so on and so forth. So that's where I was born. And um, my dad um, didn't even have a job for the first few years um, when I was born and it was supported by um, the larger family setup. So uh, I do remember that um while physical aspects of the life was not that great, but there was a lot of community and support from the family. And that's what I remember growing up. And that has been a big part of my um, sort of growing up is that human connection is an important part for me. So going back to who Sunil Singh is, essentially, I mean, I see myself as really connecting into the vast realm of human consciousness as an individual and trying to do something meaningful in the world while I'm here. And it can have many different forms and expressions that we will talk about or uncover in this, but fundamentally on the professional side, um, solving hard problems through technology and innovation and business models and so on and so forth. I have another side that you probably haven't heard about, uh, Ilan, and is which is I have been uh, practicing meditation for the last 20 plus years. And I actually teach um, meditation and stress management workshop as a volunteer instructor to 
in the community, at workshops, at companies and otherwise, just to give back. Uh, and, and so I know it's a convoluted answer, but that's in a way is a framing for who I am. No, I, I, I think that's, I think that's amazing and, and fascinating. And you put it in a, uh, in a really interesting light. Um, I spent a little bit of time in India uh, a while back and, you know, obviously India is vast and large and different religions and different languages and different cultures and different culinary experiences, spicy, 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 man, I was eating spicy food for breakfast. Um, the people were so hospitable. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear kind of where you came from and then, you know, talking about the meditation element, I, I didn't know that. Uh, about you, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and and maybe a question for you: Has that influenced how you think about business or entrepreneurship? Does it help day to day? Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. In fact, I mean, if I were to give unsolicited advice to anybody, um, is that make meditation a part of your daily life. I mean, that's the only thing I would say. And and there are a couple of ways to look at it, right? I mean, I learned to meditate when I was uh, in my early 20s. Um, so, and I'm very grateful that I experienced it and make it part of, made it part of my da- daily life, daily routine. And it has given me the foundation on, on, a, on a sort of a human level from a consciousness and who I am, how I operate in the world, how I think about things, the perspective, the decisions, the reaction or lack of reaction in that case, uh, how you respond, each is rooted in this foundation of being able to retreat back to a place during meditation where you are not influenced by the external stimulants, which are physical, emotional, however it is coming, and you are able to, in a way, get into a space where you can really shut everything down. Uh, and and then come back, re-energize, reinvigorated to do the work that you need to do in the world. The second is that having the right balance, the equanimity that I have um, to be able to deal with difficult situations, whether it's workplace, family, in the community, wherever it is. And if I were to go and say that, I don't think I would be an entrepreneur or a founder uh, if I did not have the grounding of that practice. Uh, and, and the reason I'm seeing that is because if you think about the challenges and the day-to-day sort of the swings that you have to go through, uh, it's a huge toll on your nervous system. It's a huge toll on your mental and emotional health. And I don't know how others do it, but for me, having that practice, having that foundation allows me to almost have a shield around me, which uh, protects me from sort of the, the volatility of the situation and the events and the people and all of the dynamics and really focused on what matters the most. This was not meant to be a pitch for meditation, but it became one, but that's great. I think. I, I honestly, no, I, I appreciate you sharing. It's, it's interesting and not sure how this will come across, but I'm going to say it. Sometimes I reflect to myself and I say, you know, in myself running a business and working with customers in the service industry and in the tech space where things are always moving and changing and shifting and at times chaotic. Sometimes I wish I could, you know, in some ways be a robot, right? But at the end of the day, we're humans and we make decisions with our mind and meditation being an outlook 
or, or sort of, you know, a, a, a practice to harness different stimuli and to put it into practice and make decisions clearly and not overreact, not underreact. Um, I can see how that can be very, very helpful. Sunil, it, it's great to learn more about your personal journey and the influences that have shaped, you know, along your entrepreneurial journey. And speaking of that, I'd love to learn more about Tallied and its inception. Can you can you share the story behind Tallied? What was the what was the inspiration and how did you go from idea to inception? Yeah. And, and, and this question comes up quite a bit. Uh, most founders have a founding story and, and I don't have an exciting founding story that, you know, I was trying to buy this or my mom was trying to do that and there was a lack of a solution. So founders go out and do something. I don't have any of that story. And it's, if you simplify what entrepreneurship is, to me, it's identifying opportunity to create value and capture value, right? In the marketplace, wherever that is, and understanding the risk uh, involved in capturing that value or the opportunity and working to de-risk and, and sort of get your way into the capturing the risk. So spent last, I would say, 15 years in fintech um, from different sort of companies that you mentioned earlier on to Marketa, to Lendup, to Blackhawk Network, and there are a few other startups in between. And if you look at the journey of fintech uh, or, or sort of the evolution of fintech, banking as a service, payments, um, lending as a service, a lot of businesses have sort of emerged in the last 5, 10, 15 years. And through my own experience of building products, one recurring theme that I saw was that credit cards as a category is a huge category. It's like $4 trillion of transaction volume annualized in the US alone, leaving globally, uh, global market aside. And a huge part of it, almost 95 plus percent of it is still managed in technology stacks and layers that are built maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? Um, not much has changed in the underlying infrastructure for, for credit. A lot has changed in the, the UX aspect of it, the, the cardholder experience from how they apply and the rewards and all of that. And of course, that has been transformed. And my experience of seeing this in many different places that I worked at where this came up a few times, where it was incredibly hard to stand a credit card program because of the underlying infrastructure uh, that uh, supports it. And this team came up at Marketa where we were looking at it and we didn't do it. Marketa didn't do it back in the days. Finally, they uh, sort of tried to do it and they bought a company recently. Anyway, to keep that story aside, uh, at LendUp, uh, when they built the credit card program, it took them over 19 or 20 months because they built on FIS and it took a really huge long time, a lot of resource. And, and also we look at the marketplace, Apple spent tens of millions of dollars, Apple and Goldman Sachs, uh, to build a credit card program on a, on a legacy platform called CoreCard. And I was very close to the folks who worked on that uh, journey of building and they were totally frustrated the amount of time and effort and dollars it went. And this was a recurring theme is that this is an untapped area of technology infrastructure for credit cards. Large category, the most commonly used payment instrument in the US is credit card. Um, why has there not been any innovation? So it's looking from that perspective, saying this is a large enough problem. Uh, and at this point in my career, if I want to invest uh, or 
deploy myself, uh, my human uh, capital, uh, it has to be a big opportunity. And so combining the, the, the gap in the marketplace, the large unaddressed market opportunity, and most importantly, uh, my own journey of running products and platforms and lending and consumer and commercial and all of that, it made sense that I jump in and make something happen. So that's kind of the journey of finding um, an opportunity, a large uh, addressable market, what they call it, the founder fit, right? Given my journey, background, know-how, ecosystem, relationships, all of that coming together is where Tallied uh, sort of came together. And I put together a white paper saying, this is what the future of technology infrastructure for credit cards should look like. And based on that, um, we went out and did our fundraising and all of that, and then built a team. And now we are on our way to going live with our first couple of customers. It's amazing. And your story is, I think in some ways, is a little bit different than the you know, traditional Silicon Valley venture-backed tech startup story where there's this you know, spark, something's not working right, you know, in their life and they decide to build something, you know, for that or to solve some sort of problem. For you, it's very much, this is a world you've lived in, you've worked in, you've breathed it, you've seen what works, what doesn't. And you you believe there's, um, you know, innovation to, you know, to advance this space. And I'd like to pivot a bit to the underpinnings of Tallied as an organization. And you know me and kind of where I come from, you know, in the world of talent and, you know, like you said, human capital, you know, I'm, I'm particularly interested in the human element. How would you describe your leadership style? My understanding of leadership is that it has to start from the individual, the leader, their understanding of the world, their understanding of their own self is pivotal in, in that understanding. The self-awareness is a big component. And you from there, everybody's style and approach might be different, right? So my calibration of leadership is that understanding who I am as an individual, where I can inspire people, right? And I think there is one, one theme that I wanted to bring out is in the realm of human capital is that uh, there is this idea of people talk about uh, intellectual capital and all of this. I think there is this notion of inspiration capital, which is very hard to sort of capture. What it means is that your presence, your work, your ability to connect and deliver value should act as an inspiration, not so much your words, right? Words are part of it. It's a communication tool. So boiling it down to sort of three aspects that um, that work for me in you are passionate as a leader, right? So you have to have the drive and the vision and you're passionate. Uh, that's there, that's a part of it. And the second piece is compassion. So passion, compassion. And compassion is where you bring trust, ability to be authentic and collaborate, understanding that people are in different places in their journey of, of building a company or in leadership, right? So giving the space and, and the platform for people to do their best work and learn and grow in that realm, right? So that's where you have the compassion and authenticity comes. And interestingly, the last one is dispassion. 
and and this goes back to sort of the principles that I talked about is that there are going to be moments where things are not going to work out the way you expect it to work or you wanted the outcome and it and it's not a fatalistic sort of scenario where you're saying oh this was meant to happen this way therefore it's fine it's having that understanding that maybe it didn't work it's fine you let go and move on to the next challenge the next opportunity and creating a culture around these three principles and by the way this is from my spiritual master that's how he leads his name is swishi ravi shankar he is the founder of this organization called the art of living and i have learned a lot about leadership and inspiration from him so that's kind of the foundation of the leadership approach that i uh, look to live by uh, on a daily basis so it's how do you inspire and then it sounded to me like elements of that are passion compassion and you know in some ways oddly enough dispassion i grew up playing sports and playing hockey and training for basketball games and you'd fail all the time you'd get tons of bad bounces you'd make mistakes you know and i think that in the world of business it's just inevitable it's going to happen and then it becomes how do you you know react to that in a way that drives the organization forward yeah i think the other aspect of dispassion in this realm of uh, in the capitalistic mindset and working through it is that it keeps you humble even when you are winning so you don't get ahead of yourself and you have success and win it keeps you grounded and humble and from there you can operate uh, at a much higher sort of ground as opposed to a lot of times success becomes someone's identity and it sort of clouds their understanding and and and, and what their self worth is and and their role and contribution is and i think this passion as a tool helps you know that in the vast realm of your life uh and and whatever you achieve or not achieve in this world it's going to be okay at some level you are fine and and i this is one area where i see a lot of founders and and and, and it's rightfully so they spend so much time and effort in this that that becomes their identity right that startup or the company and when things are not working they have serious mental health issues that i have seen uh, people around me but having this level of dispassion that you are on a journey of doing something meaningful there are bound to be failures and setbacks how do you deal with it and keep grounded and move to the next thing and it becomes a superpower in many ways if you can operate at that level for a maybe for a separate conversation with you Sunil you know mental health in the area of you know high growth venture back tech startups um obviously um maybe a wider conversation but uh probably an important one at some point Sunil i i i think you're your leadership approach and and i think its impact on the culture of talid is is you know enlightening and i find that nuances of leadership and culture often translate into how a company embraces technology and innovation and with this in mind could you tell us about the role of tech and innovation at talid and, and maybe talk a little bit about ai as well yeah so i mean you have met my co-founder and 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 when mike joined mike jenfredo my co-founder and cto 
he and I had worked together at a company called Blackhawk Network. Uh, he's a, one of the most respected technology leaders that I know. Um, and when Mike and I got together and said, look, we want to build this platform and here's the white paper. It's a hugely complicated, convoluted uh, construct um, given there is regulation and compliance and of course, performance and reliability and, and all of that. What are the key elements of the architecture and the design and the platform that we need to set a very, very high bar of excellence as if we are providing the service to JP Morgan like the largest bank in the world, right? And for example, and that became sort of a marker for us to say that we cannot have a compliance exception. And, and we set that bar at there, but at the same time, as an early stage startup, we have to be pragmatic and said, let's look at areas where we can borrow pieces that allows us to accelerate the journey and go to market faster. So a lot of it was having a very high bar of excellence for the critical part of the infrastructure at the same time being pragmatic in our, our approach so that we are not innovating for the sake of innovating. Where there is highly commoditized solutions available, can we just leverage that and build something and get to market, right? The second component of this whole process was that also driven by if we are doing something from building technology or bringing a new architecture or a new design or a new principle of building something, yes, it's great and it's the buzzword or whatever it is, where does it unlock value? And it goes back to me being uh, a founder with this long journey and experience where we question that what value does it create for our customer now or in the future? And that's a big part of our conversation as we go through it, right? And there's a, there, there's the, a deliberateness to it. Deliberateness, yeah. yeah. And the third component that you asked around AI, and I know this is like the next category, Web3 was two years ago, what AI has become now we are taking the same principles of excellence and pragmatism and creating value and unlocking value for our customers. And there are parts of the value chain that we support in the credit card where there is room and place for uh, applying generative AI uh, quickly. And we are, the team uh, is looking through some of that. And so for example, one of the areas we, we have, we have a servicing platform, which allows our customers and agents to serve cardholder questions and queries and so on and so forth. And a lot of it is repetitive sort of cursory questions. And, 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 and we are looking at areas where, how do we create those sort of packages for truly credit centric um, AI driven interactions that not only reduce the mundane interactions, but how do we sort of eliminate what I call adverse credit behavior, for example, based on the conversation trend, do we think this cardholders uh, or these set of customers are gonna be uh, delinquent? Or what can we do to prevent delinquencies there? Or bring them off charge offs? And so that's an area we are deliberately looking into to, to leverage uh, what is available in the marketplace. And of course, given Mike is a technologist, I mean, this whole notion of uh, embedding the AI capabilities in creating velocity in your engineering throughput is a big part that Mike and team are looking at. The third area that we look at is in the realm of compliance. We have this notion of uh, declarative compliance. What we have in there is that we are applying this notion of um, self audit mechanism in the event as it is happening. So it's not three months from now when the dispute event happened, when there's a transaction happening 
And there are some triggers into our sort of system that we are seeing, which should be compliant against a set of rules and, 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 and governance. We are logging it and trying to audit behind the scene in real time to see if this could become a compliance event in the future, if that makes sense. So that's another area where this, uh, the power of some of the learning and, and the AI can be unleashed in a pretty critical manner. Um, and, and that's where we, we spend some intellectual sort of analysis and time and, and we are continuing to layer that more and more in our platform as we go along. I'm, I'm excited about uh, you know, what you guys are gonna do to this space. So Sunil, are, are there any misconceptions people might have about the FinTech space or the credit card industry specifically that come to mind? I would say not so much misconceptions. I think it's more about lack of nuanced understanding is more uh, more the right framing in my view. And what I mean by that is that, uh, as you pointed out, the credit card industry is a huge one. Uh, it's growing uh, globally. I mean, if you think about emerging markets, Brazil, India, credit card penetration is fairly low. So it's still a highly sort of uh, emerging category of growth for the future. I think in the US, if you go back to the history of credit cards, when Bank of America sort of started doing direct mail, I think it was in Fresno, California somewhere, they started this in the 1950s somewhere. Um, and fundamentally that's kind of evolved. Uh, so the two big components that people see in credit cards is a big part of marketing, right? Direct mail and all of that has been a big part of that. And that hasn't changed that much. I mean, yes, you have direct mail still going on, digital marketing and acquisitions and all of that has happened. And the banks, the large institutions still are deploying hundreds of millions of dollars. The large, if you look at Capital One and the likes, their marketing budget to acquire customers and, and huge, right? And the underlying technology that was built along the way with the Visa MasterCard Consortium and the banks sort of being behind it um, with mainframe and, and monolithic technology uh, st uh, stack that was there has stayed the same. So I think to your point, if you think about as a product category, credit card, most of the most of the innovation or not even innovation, iteration is the right word, uh, is around rewards. Somebody comes up with a cool reward or they ju juice up the points or they give you some additional uh, value and this and that. But beyond that, there hasn't been a whole lot of unlock if you think about in the industry, right, as, as such. And one of the key areas that we we are very, very bullish, and, and, and that's what we're building towards, is that this whole notion of embedding credit card as a, as a value-add product um, in the commercial realm for SMB and businesses and 30-plus million businesses in the U.S., almost 70-80% of them are very small, one to two people's uh, sole proprietors, LLC, and access to credit, access to working capital is still a huge challenge. And how do we use the technology, the foundational infrastructure, the underwriting, different business models where you can construct and bring an ecosystem of capital providers to enable access to capital for that segment, as well as use the, the, the real-time data and transaction, all of that flows back into the system to efficiently manage uh, workflows for businesses. So I'm a construction company. I can use a credit card to pay supplier payment, but also I get all of the data back that gets automatically reconciled against different projects I might be working on, right? Now I have saved two hours of my day having to do that because that system does it, right? So credit as a tool 
for working capital, um, creating loyalty and engagement, but also creating efficiency in the ecosystem of various platforms, marketplaces, vertical SaaS, is an area that hasn't been quite um, sort of addressed. And the the misconception or the mis I mean the lack of nuance understanding is that yes, it's an at the end of the day it's a lending product, but there is there are more layers around it. Fascinating. Yeah, you're. Uh, I appreciate your insights into the role of you know innovation at Tallied and and the wider fintech industry. So looking back, is there a piece of advice you wish you could? give your younger self as you started this journey or to someone else who's considering the entrepreneurial journey? My general philosophy or approach, as I mentioned earlier, is that entrepreneurship is all about uh, opportunity and the risk around it, right? And if you are, as an entrepreneur or an individual or a founder, able to assess an opportunity quickly and understand the risk and figure out how to go after that opportunity in a de-risk manner, do it, do it fast, do it sooner. So my advice to myself would be, of course, should I have done it sooner in my career or in my life and, and all of that? That's it's not a regret. It's more of a calibration of uh, thinking that, yes, there are advantages of me doing now versus then. And maybe it's all sort of a, a function of a lot of different variables. And you have to understand what that function is for you where you are trying to optimize the opportunity uh, against the risk that you are taking. And risk is not just financial risk or all of that. It's risk is the, the demand on your personal time, on your mental health, your sacrifices you're making with your family and everybody, your friends and all of that. That's part of the risk, actually. People don't think about that, but that's part of, I mean, as I said, your life is finite in this vast realm of the universe. And how do you maximize going after an opportunity and understand the risk and, and sort of package it. It's easy to think, oh, I, I want to go and build a business. But sometimes it can't be forced. And in some ways it needs to happen organically. You know, I, I was working at a venture fund investing in early stage tech startups and all of them needed to hire. And, uh, and that's how, you know, my recruiting business started. It was very organic. I never, you know, thought, hey, this is what I want to do necessarily. Um, the other point that resonates there is entrepreneurship. And as a, I think as, you know, yourself, a leader and executive, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough ball game. Um, you know, you're getting pushed around and failure and mistakes and, you know, and you keep driving forward to success and and I, as I'm thinking about you saying some of the things you've said, I'm wondering if the path that I've chosen or we've chosen entrepreneurship, you know, is the best path for longevity and maybe one of the one of the most uh, you know enlightening pieces of this conversation is meditation and that as a tool to reduce stress, reduce anxiety, help you be on your mental your game. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, I, I, I really uh, appreciate uh, your time today, Sunil, your, your genuineness, your insight, your thoughtfulness. Uh, I found this to be a very uh, exciting conversation. So appreciate your time, Sunil, and I'll be, I'll be rooting for you. That's for sure. Thank you so much, Ivan. Thank you for listening to the Unstacked Startups Podcast. 
If you enjoyed this, you might enjoy our free monthly newsletter by Unstacked Startups called Foundermail. Sign up for free at foundermail.substack.com. This is Elon Sachs.